The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back into the show, and thank you so much to everybody who tuned into the show last week for the Neo Metal News episode. That was one of my most listened to episodes ever. I think that one and the Dr. Evil episode from a few months back were two of my most popular episodes ever, so thank you to that. This week's episode is going to be getting back into uh, my kind of on-the-road series. I, I took about two months off from traveling and teaching over the holidays, and uh, got back into it with a, a class in Phoenix, Arizona. That was the actual class that I was teaching on the day that the Neo Metal episode dropped. And before that class, the night before, I went out for dinner with the shop owner, Kevin Jump, who owns Wholehearted Piercing in, in Phoenix. And we just kind of talked a little bit. Kevin comes from a place of spirituality. I don't want to put words into his mouth because obviously we'll, we'll listen to the, uh, the interview with his own words. But um, a phrase that, that comes up when you talk to Kevin sometimes is keep piercing sacred. And uh, that might not resonate to every body piercer. To me, I'll admit I'm not really a, a spiritual body piercer. But sometimes when I talk to piercers who do kind of come at it, uh, approach it from that sort of sense of spirituality and, and for ritual... Um, I, I really do get a connection to them because I don't think you can work this kind of job having these sort of intimate interactions with clientele for years and years and years and decades sometimes without sometimes feeling that bond or that connection. I'm not saying it has to happen every time and I'm not saying it's something you need to try to force, but you want to stay open, open-minded open to it. Uh, sometimes clients will... Uh, be changed by what we offer, and sometimes clients will will change us with their their energy. And I know sometimes that sounds hokey, and um, I'll be the first person to admit it when something like that does sound a little bit, you know, hokey. But uh, the way Kevin articulates it, it, it it really makes sense. And if you're a body piercer, I think a lot of this will will resonate with you, whether you're a, a spiritual type or or not. Uh, speaking about getting back on the road. I'm hitting things pretty hard over the next couple of months, so I've got a few new classes that I can announce for you. Coming up pretty shortly will be a class in Concord, California at Blue Star, and that'll be February 24th, Monday, February 24th, and that will be another session of my advanced application of bevel theory, uh, hopefully with some live piercing. I've got a good amount of people already registered for that, over a dozen so far. I'm probably aiming to keep it maybe around 15 or 20, and not uh, not overdo it for registration. So if you'd like to be part of that class in Concord, California, in the uh, Bay Area of California, go ahead and get your registration submitted. You can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. Or if you want more info, go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars or follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. I've also got a few other classes I can announce. Uh, I've got a class on March 9th in Dusseldorf, Germany. That will be at Piercing by Jane Absinthe. I'm going to be doing a class on uh, responsible sales techniques called uh, Ethical Upselling, Sell Smarter, Not Harder, and I'll be doing a a piercing marking workshop. So 
talking about marking with with markers, but also with needle blanks and other implements uh, to get you something accurate uh, and also keep it nice and clean. So that'll be a good one. That'll be a workshop. The people that attend, they'll be actually like doing markings and we can cover whatever you want. If you have a question about how to mark paired nostrils or surface piercings or whatever, we're going to talk about it. Uh, after that, I've got March 22nd in Chicago. That's going to be the Stary Wash event. Uh, and that will be uh, Baron doing his class on the versatility of needle blanks, but also myself doing my ethical upselling class again. Uh, so that should be a pretty good one. TJ Kruger's working hard putting that one together for Stary Wash, so I'll be out in Chicago on March 22nd. After that, I've got the Boston Tattoo Convention. On Sunday, April 5th, I'll be doing my class on doth piercings called Expand Your Knowledge. Uh, that's a really fun one for me because I can talk about the different techniques, but also different stuff about the piercing. Uh, where did it come from? Who was the first person to really document it? Where did the name come from and how do you actually pronounce it? Is it Daith or Doth? Uh, and again, we're going to be talking about lots of different technique stuff. So uh, April 5th in Boston for the Boston Tattoo Convention. And then I've got uh, Monday, April 13th in Manchester, UK. That should be a really fun one. I'll be co-instructing that one with Lola Slider the current UK APP president. And again, we'll be doing the ethical upselling class, but also the marking workshop. And that should be really fun, especially with a co-instructor where we can really talk about, hey, this is your method, this is my method, and uh, we, can, we can really kind of put that stuff in your hands and you can try that stuff out yourself. So for, uh, again, any of that info, go ahead and email me at ryanpba.gmail.com. I'll get you set up with whatever you need. But let's go ahead and get into the interview for this week. It's a little bit on the longer side. It's just under an hour and a half with Kevin Jump. I'll be back a little bit more at the end. Uh, I'm Kevin Jump. I've been piercing since the late 90s, and uh, I have my own studio, Wholehearted Piercing, in Phoenix, Arizona. It's wholeheartedpiercing.com, at wholeheartedpiercing uh, on Instagram. And it's a really cool shop, and just the conversations that we've had over the day, it makes me think of a couple different things. The, the, the first thing that I wanted to tell you when we were actually recording, I didn't want to tell you ahead of time, is <laughs> pretty often I ask other people, who should I be talking to, who should I interview? And your name has come up more than almost anybody else I can think of. Oh, crazy. People have said, you got to talk to Kevin Jump, you got to talk to Kevin Jump, you got to talk to Kevin Jump. And um, through, through talking to you a little bit today, because we've never really had long conversations before. No. Yeah. So talking to you today, um, I think it's like this combination of one foot in like the 90s mentality of like wonder and exploration of body piercing and then one foot in the, the 2000s where it's like, okay, it's, it's a business and I know what the customers want and what I need to give them to, to grow a successful business, but you're doing it in a way I think, it's, it, I think it's really different than how a lot of people open studios these days. Um, even just like the layout of your studio and having, having a processing room, something as simple as that and that mentality. So it, maybe you can't really boil down like your concept of like what piercing is, but uh, what were some of the things that were going through your mind when you wanted to open your own studio? Oh my God. Um, well, I think everything is experience-based. Uh, like I said, I think so often, uh, as a practitioner, like you can make it about you, um, but it's not about that. Um, I, in my opinion, um, that's not one truth, zero tolerance. Uh, everybody has a different motivation and uh, something that moves them. Um, I think that you know it evolves and jewelry's evolved and we're using more beautiful jewelry than ever before. Um, and so much of it has gotten about that. Um, 
I always like have a, a hashtag that I use. Uh, the piercing means nothing without the person. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sometimes it's disheartening if you see this beautiful piece and it's just a close-up of the year and you're wanting to showcase your work and what you're doing and, and the jewelry. Um, but also if it's not, if it wasn't for that person coming in and getting it and their style mm -hmm. and what they choose to get pierced with, then you don't have a job. So I, I think it's really, that's what I try to capture is like that essence of like who these people are. And that's really... Uh, what I try to capture in the piercing room as well like mm -hmm. as far as like that conversation the dialogue um, and getting to know people there's a, a Norman Rockwell quote uh, I know I'm like quoting all this stuff but uh, that I really love and it's uh, common places do not become tiresome it's we who grow tired when we cease to be curious and appreciative uh, and I think the same thing goes for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, with any job, when you're in a retail sort of environment and you're dealing with the public and then some days you just have that day where you're just not feeling it or you're not open to that possibility, you know, with anything, you can have that day where somebody comes in and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be so much work, this person. And then you get back in the room and they're the coolest person that you've met in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so I think that's uh, just being open to the possibilities. Um, and uh, I think it's always interesting when they, I meet piercers that aren't really people person, uh, you know, people, 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 um, where uh, they're not really fans of people, but then so much of it is about that interaction. Mm -hmm. But it is in that same regard, it's so cool to see people that aren't people uh, type people um, and then see them come down and show compassion um, when that person's in a moment of vulnerability and for them to be able to hold their hand and walk them through. So I, I think that is the, the thing that, uh, that I really wanted to explore with this space. Mm -hmm. um, and like I was saying before, um, when we were having dinner, uh, it really was sparked that curiosity with like seeing what Leo had done with Mint and making that trip. And, and so much of what is here today uh, was from those conversations and uh, taking that trip and driving back to Kansas City with Clay and just talking about like what, like a piercing studio should reflect how you feel about piercing. Um, and I think that kind of encompasses this, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even we, we talked a lot about what was in a name, you know, I, I, I said how Leo, you know, I was like, well, why mint? And he was like, because it's fresh. Uh, and I, I, was, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, and when Clay and I had that drive back and, and that conversation, uh, we were talking about what was in a name. And uh, shortly after that, as Clay, uh, Clay is the one who was like, I think that uh, if you open a studio, it should be called wholehearted because that's your approach. Um, and, uh, and I was like, I think that's it. And so that's, you know, like even my motto or whatever, like I'll do my best with all my heart. I, I really feel that. Like I want to do my best with every person that comes in and be able to have that time uh, and cater to the experience and their experience and not make it about me and have it be about them. That's a good way to look at it because, and I, I don't want to put anything on, you know, kids these days, younger piercers or anything, because I, I do the same thing where, you get this tunnel vision of the modern the modern business space is so connected to the internet that you have to put all this effort into 
likes and shares and subscribes and blah 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 that sometimes you do forget about the the human element of it and not to not to knock people that do focus on that stuff because again we're, we're running businesses but um, sometimes you can you have that drive when you're a piercer and you're like I want to be able to do all these piercings to the best of my ability and expand my capabilities and that type of personality when they get into a business space where they're thinking like well I also now have to master photography and Instagram and Facebook and websites and whatever they go after it with that same hunger where they're like I know exactly how to how to cater that Instagram feed and how to do this and that but sometimes it can kind of turn into all of that where you focus so much on that element of it that sometimes you lose the connection to the the people that are walking through the door yeah you know I mean it's that that identity crisis or uh, that same thing I think about that a lot you know when we were kids and the internet wasn't so present uh, or wasn't present um, and social media didn't exist. And I think about it sometimes like I'll see my nieces or nephews post something and I'm like, oh, you know, that maybe is a little embarrassing where you're yeah. going to regret that. And there's certain things like when we were kids, you have photos or something. You're like, I'm going to just toss this mm -hmm. and no one even needs to know. But now, you know, you're much more in the presence of watchful eyes. Um, and it doesn't really go away. Yeah. So that is a different thing. And I don't think that there's like necessarily a right or a wrong uh, approach to it. Uh, like I was saying before, like in our discussion, um, I think as far as like my piercing career, like through, you know, 20 plus years, uh, it evolves and your motivations uh, evolve uh, as well as like, it grows as much as you grow. Mm -hmm. So I think there were times where, you know, you're really focused on technique or honing your skills or that same thing, like the newest piercing and everybody's doing it. And you're like, oh, I want to do that too. I, I need to get somebody, you know, in here to do that and put this piece of jewelry in there or explore that sort of possibility. And uh, I think that's where I'm at in my career, um, how I feel about it. I'm into exploring uh, different things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong. Uh, I think with anything, and, and that was kind of, even with the, the pens last year, like doing uh, the Keep Piercing Sacred pens and the cards and stuff, and uh, I feel like with anything, it's like the telephone game uh, when you're in school, like maybe when you're in grade school and the teacher tells a secret you know, and it goes around the circle and each person tells it to the next. And by the time it, it comes full circle, it's become something completely different. Yeah. And, uh, and that was one of the things, uh, like even, well, I guess it's the year before last now, like with Fakir passing, um, and I went to the memorial service in San Francisco and was so moved. Uh, and it was so beautiful to see so many different walks of life from so many different communities all coming together and seeing how many people he touched. Mm -hmm. And it really made me uh, reflective in that uh, driving home. Because uh, I, was, I wasn't gonna go and then last minute I was like, no, I need to go. And I just like rented a car and drove. Like I drove from here to San Luis Obispo and stayed with Matt Southwood. And, um, and then the next morning got up, I drove into San Francisco, went to the the event, uh, went out, you know, had some conversation and uh, whatever with uh, Gigi from Colo and um, some different folks. And then I like got in the car and drove. I drove back to LA and like slept in the car on the way home. But uh, it really moved me so much. And I really thought about like 
how that happens. You know, there were younger piercers that came in uh, to my uh, my last place of employment, where you know, one day I was wearing like uh, one of the one shirts, uh, which was an event that like Corey uh, Lolly had, had uh, organized uh, back in the day, and. Um, uh, Bobby, who I worked with, he was like, oh, well, what's that shirt? And I was like, oh, it's the one, you know? And like, Corey and this and that, like when she was still piercing at Enigma, and he was like, oh, Corey was a piercer? Uh, who owns Maya? And I was like, yeah. And it's so interesting, those things that you uh, think are common knowledge, and then you realize, oh, that isn't common. Like, not everybody knows that, you know? Like, maybe, like, people don't well, know Jimmy Buddha's, like, you know, was a piercer and yeah. traveled and, and you don't know all those, uh, that story. And so I thought that was really, um, it was kind of that motivation to, to do those cards and the pens as a reminder, because I thought it was so pivotal with like Fakir's passing. And then it's like, man, some of these things are being lost in translation mm. and, and what is important. And I'll, I'll talk with other piercers that maybe as my age group, um, or a little older sometimes and like, oh, well, these kids don't care about it. But when you talk to like some of the younger folks, they're really desperately seeking something sacred. And I think it is that thing where piercing's changing uh, to that extent where it is such a retail thing or people are working in busy studios where they're just piercing like maybe kids earlobes all day. And um, it's changed so much that they are looking for that, uh, for that spark. Um, and sometimes you don't know what it is, um, but you're still searching. And mm -hmm. I, I feel uh, even like with handing those out at APP, there were people like maybe I handed it to and then they'd come back like a day or so later and like, man, like this is like my friends and I have been talking about this or like I feel this is important. And I felt like it was important uh, to do that. Uh, that year and even like give them away mm. like i was like man it's different if you sell this you yeah. know it, it's something that it should be a gift because it is a gift mm -hmm. and maybe that is that thing of where it sparks curiosity of like you know what is out there um or maybe it opens that dialogue where people start to to seek that a little bit more yeah I don't know if I went too off topic. No, no, I mean, there, but, but, yeah, it's a podcast. You can yeah. go on any topic But, uh, yeah, that was kind of like that transition. And I, I think that's kind of where I'm at in my career is uh, just exploring those possibilities a little bit. Or if somebody comes in, they're really nervous, just talking to them about, like, why is it that you feel this way? You know, this doesn't have to be a negative experience. And it's so interesting to talk somebody down when they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, my God, that was amazing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and it's cool to, to turn it around and, and make it a positive experience. So I think that's kind of where I'm at now is exploring those possibilities where, you know, same thing, maybe I was like a technically proficient piercer for a long time and really focused in that direction. Um, and it evolves as we evolve. And uh, it's cool to be open to that. Yeah. You know? I'm starting to notice a lot of piercers, the, the ones that have been at it for more than 10 years, you know, more than 20 years. Uh, they've they've worked in the craziest busiest shops. They've moved around. They've done guest spots. They've done all these different things, and now they're kind of getting into this phase where they want to dial it back a little bit. Where it's like they they know what's out there. They know everything that's out there for piercing. Yeah. Uh, a shop where you're doing five a day, or a shop where you're doing fifty a day, and then it's really interesting to see the shop space that that they want to create, like like Mint, like uh, Safe Harbor, 
all these different shops like the powers that be. Yeah. You know, these shops that are that are an experience destination and it's not just about like get the word out on Instagram, get somebody in for the fashion piercings and it's disposable and we're just another shop with gold or all that stuff, you know, and the shops where it's like we want to slow it down, we want to create an experience, we want to remind people of the things that made us fall in love with body piercing. Yeah. And it's cool to see that generation of shops because um, the the, again, I don't, I don't like to put it on younger piercers because it's not just younger piercers, but these new generations of shops that are opening up that are so sterile to the point where they're sterile in a personality aspect too. Yeah. Where it's like, we're going to be super ultra clean and have nothing on the walls and everything is going to be super sterilized, you know, experience, not just jewelry and materials. Yeah. Uh, and it probably takes away a little bit of, of the experience for people because they, they come in, they come out. It's like, yes, they got a really good piercing. They're happy. They got really good jewelry, but they might not have gotten what they needed out of the experience. Yeah. And that's kind of becoming a lost art. And being, yeah, I think being open to those possibilities. And I think, you know, I was always more focused on precision. Um, I, I think, um, I worked at a studio called the the Painted Bird, and Andrew. He was like the first piercer, Andrew Hochter. He was the first piercer in Cincinnati, uh, and that's kind of where I got my start. I'm from Kentucky originally, and uh, he had pierced at a at a, a place called Kinks, was like a sex shop, you know, whatever. And then also at a tattoo shop, uh, my buddy Mike's shop, Permanent Productions at the time. And then he opened uh, the first only uh, piercing only studio there. And really, like, he was like a father figure and like a mentor at that time and really changed the way that I approached piercing and, and was really pivotal in, in my growth at that time. Um, I think of that really being uh, a transition and really uh, pivotal in who I am and where I'm at now. Uh, in the same regard, uh, the first time I went out and uh, guest pierced at Enigma in San Diego, and that was when I was at Infinite, um, but it was the crew at that time. It was DDA, Corey Lawley was still piercing there, Matt Southwood, um, and just seeing the way that they interacted with people, it was different than ever what anything I had ever seen. Um, you know, DDA will do this thing with people's breath and he has such a calm voice and he'll, he'll talk about picturing the waves and the tide coming in and going out with the breath. Um, and there were so many moments during that, like even watching Corey Pierce. Um, and then I pierced her like the last day I was there. Um, it was just different possibilities, you know, uh, she was like, yeah, I want to do nostrils. Let's do nostrils. And so I cleaned her and marked her and I went to do the first and there was so much energy. It was like the room was like static around us, just shaking and, uh, and just vibrant. And I like, it was a breath and I did the piercing and she like immediately like opened her eyes, like how Corey like kind of looks into your soul and like grabbed me and she was like, did you feel that? And I was like, that was crazy. And she was like, I want to do highs too. And I was like, well, let's mark them. And so I ended up just doing like low and high nostrils on her in that sitting. Yeah. Um, and there was just a whole different sort of energy around that. And it really, you know, and I went back to Infinite, which was busy, you know, uh, kind of Philadelphia East Coast sort of uh, vibe. Um, but definitely tried to start to explore that uh, with people that were more receptive. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting, like, 
And that's a thing too, like with where the internet, where people are maybe learning or, or doing the stuff on forums and stuff instead of traveling someplace and, and being in the room mm -hmm. or being in the place. Like even Autumn came into this space the other night, uh, last night, and she was like, oh, this feels like so right. And she was like, yeah, the pictures are cool, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's the feeling. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it feels very warm in here. Like the contrast between the white walls and all the wood and everything like that, it, it feels clean, but it feels very warm and very organic. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to create a, a space. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you know, what I, what I was going into. Like, it, it's sometimes like something you can't get out of watching a video on the internet or on YouTube. Sometimes it's like being in the room and experience, experiencing that energy mm -hmm. in a different thing. I always uh, relate it to, uh, like even suspension, you know, like when I was suspended, I, uh, didn't have any video footage like I was like well I had some still photos that's cool uh, I used to play in like bands and like metal bands and you'd have like these uh, performances where you're like man that show was awesome and somebody would video it and you go back and watch it and it's like it doesn't capture yeah. like what the you're energy. in that moment yeah, yeah. so uh, so much of learning I think is is a lot of times sharing that space with that person mm -hmm. and uh, and kind of that interaction uh, and getting from it and so yeah I think that's I think I just went back into a circle into that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's really what moves me uh, at this point. Uh, to step back a little bit into like piercer nerd stuff, uh, you mentioned the high nostrils thing. What's your high nostrils technique? Because I've been seeing more and more people posting high nostrils and it makes me realize that I, I don't have like my, my jam yet for high nostrils. I can, I can do them mm -hmm. and I feel like they're kind of hit or miss where sometimes they'll be fine more often than not. They're going to look great, but every now and then you get that one that's a little bit the angle. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's your technique for high nostrils? Uh, I still like uh, slide clamps up in. Mm -hmm. um, so actually like Elaine changed my whole perception of that back in the day. I'm not an inside out guy. Uh, I am for like a standard nostril, but not never a high nostril. Uh, you know, so it's not something that I would just try. I've actually never, I mean, I've seen some videos of them, um, but I've never worked with somebody and, and watched somebody do one mm -hmm. where I felt the outcome. Uh, you know, even back in the day, it was kind of like that with like freehand lips and everything else where uh, guest piercers would come even through infinite and then like after they leave you'd see all this stuff come back where the angles are this and that. I know how that goes. And uh, man really Ron Garza changed my opinion on that. He was like oh yeah it's like this let me show you. And, um, and I watched him do a couple and he showed me his technique and then I started doing freehand lips. Um, just because I hadn't seen consistency with it. And so I was like until somebody broke it down and then I was like oh okay. And that's the same thing with nostrils. Like, you know, I was taught originally like gauntlet style mm -hmm. um, with a, a receiving tube, like the 45 degree, like the big nostril tubes. Um, but you'll distort that tissue and usually it's like compensating. Uh, and then when I used to go and work at rings with Elaine uh, and do guest spots, um, she takes a pair of like Pennington's and just closes them down and slides it in just to support and give that back pressure, which a lot of people do now with like Q-tips or whatever. But um, depending on what you're using, if it's a cotton tipped applicator or like a Q-tip, mm -hmm. uh, it's not rigid enough. So yeah, I do that and clear and then slide, a, slide it down into a tube. I do it that way. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, because also when you're using the forcep, it's the same thing with a regular nostril, then you still have that reference, like perpendicular sure. wise, you know? Um, to where it gives you a little reference line. Mm. So that's kind of the, how I approach it. I feel like that's what I need to try, because I've heard a lot of piercers say that like, 
oh, just, just use clamps. And sometimes, again, going back to the generational thing, right now, tools are demonized in such a weird way yeah. where, where if, you, if you say something like, you know, in, in a forum or in a class or just in a conversation, like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm doing it with clamps. People might not like outwardly judge you, but like you get that little eye twitch where it's like, oh, you're, yeah. you're still using clamps? And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. If, I, if I need it, if I need it. Well, I think that's the thing. If you're using something as a tool or if you're using something as more of a, like a an extension of your hand. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you're not locking them down or mm -hmm. anything. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, thing that way. I think I think immediately of uh, forward helixes mm -hmm. with that and like the curved barbell thing rather than sure um, like a flatback or something. Yeah. Do you do flatbacks for yeah. everything? So I will use curves, mm -hmm. especially triple forward helixes. Um, even I know like Nicholas the geezer had asked for like a couple photos of mine because he was teaching a class and he, he said he like was teaching in like Brazil or something and the slide popped up and everybody was like <gasps> and like gasped uh, but uh, you know it was that thing when that evolution happened where all of a sudden you were doing five to seven sets of them mm -hmm. um, to where it's like okay let me figure out how it works and I'll do like uh, like titanium, like neo curves or whatever. And then uh, a lot of times I'll take uh, and adjust the curve a little bit to give it a little bit more of a pitch. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people where you can maybe not fit three that I'll fit three. Yeah. Like even like where I worked before, like sometimes people are like, well, I think maybe just one or two, maybe two, but have Kevin take a look at it and I would fit three. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, it's like being open at that same thing where it's like, where sometimes it gets that hive mind where people are like, but no, this is the way or mm -hmm. this isn't the way. And I see a lot of forward helixes as well with like flatbacks where they're not perpendicular to the plane. Sure. You know, where you have like these fancy gold pieces on it, but they're not even sitting mm -hmm. flat. Or if they try it's to like do a more triple, forward or two to fit of them are it in good, there. but one yeah. of them is like diagonal. Yeah, uh, the opposite thing. So um, I, I figured out a way uh, that works for me and I have good results. and. And you still just downsize to a flat back. Mm -hmm. um, the curve will give it a little bit of extra wearing surface to accommodate for swelling and stuff because you're doing three in a small concentrated area. Um, and you can kind of tuck it in there to fit that jewelry, still have the wearing surface, um, and then just downsize to flat backs. Mm -hmm. Like even when Brooke uh, Bittens was just here, she watched me uh, do uh, a set and she was like, yeah, I could maybe see that doing that. But yeah, you're, yeah. It's that thing where you say sometimes you do something outside yeah. of like what the box is and people are like, oh my God, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Uh, you're a hack. But I think everybody finds like what works for them. I don't sure. think there's one right way. Uh, so. Another thing I want to talk to you about, we were talking about earlier is, is surface piercing and how when, when I was piercing earlier on in my career, like late 90s, early 2000s, surface piercings were really just starting to like wake up and piercers were starting to figure out like all the different things they could do with it and make these advancements and then I, th I feel like surface anchors came along and a lot of people abandoned all this It was this like work. the anchor fairy sprinkling the yeah. anchors to the children. And yeah. now uh, not a lot of people have strong surface piercing skills and it's, it's almost like a, a, again like a, a lost generation of, of piercing techniques and now people are rediscovering surface piercings because they're abandoning anchors and it's just... Yeah. Uh, what do you what are you seeing with that? Like, what's your thought process on it? I mean, I think uh, surface piercings are are way better. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a portfolio over there uh, of like projects and stuff where people are like, oh, are those anchors? Where it's like Nate project and stuff like that. And I was like, no, this was before anchors were even invented. 
Um, you know, and just seeing how much that evolved, I mean, the first time I, my first surface piercing was my Madison done with a surface bar that was ordered from Tom Brazda at Stainless Studios like in 90 whatever. Yeah. Um, and then that evolution when I would uh, work with, the, with Brent Hedgespath and uh, those guys when he had body rights, they were doing a lot of tie on at that time. And so, you know, it's that same thing when I was learning a technique or whatever, I would watch people and then and do that. So I was doing for a long time, like 10 gauge Tygon nape piercings. Mm -hmm. Like I have a photo too, I think of uh, my buddy Ryan where I did it, it was like two and a half inches and he had that thing for fucking years Yeah. Uh, at 10 gauge, um, you know? Uh, so, and, and, and it kind of evolves. And really like surface piercing, man, really you can't, I feel like you can't, even talk about surface piercing without even talking about Luis Garcia. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, he was pivotal in that for me. Like even when I went to Infinite, um, I had done some guest spots and then he left and I ended up like filling uh, Luis's spot at Infinite at that time. But there was always like open uh, dialogue and I continued to learn uh, from him like after um, and he's such a great piercer, uh, but his techniques and stuff that I learned at that point, I'm still, you know, um, using to this day. Even we did our first anchors on each other. Like we had gotten some in from IS like before it like blew up. And I did one on uh, Luis's nape and he did one on my chest. And he was like, I feel like I should be able to just like put it in with my fingers and we tried. And, and it was like, okay, that's not gonna work. Um, but yeah, I, I think surface piercing, I think the success rate and everything else, uh, I like them much better. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, and I think it also depends on the style of anchor, like the base mm. and what you're using. You yeah, know? yeah. The anchors, you know, it, it got so popular so fast and became a fashion thing where people weren't really thinking about long term or scars or all these different things. You know, they were just trying to figure out the easiest, quickest way to put them in. And then you started to see the backlash, you know, when they get two years in, three years, five years in, and they're all just rapidly failing. And or like even certain styles where you go somewhere and they were like using a certain style and you're like, but these actually, I think, have a greater success rate. And they're like, yeah, but they're so hard to get out. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wasn't that the point? Like yeah. you want it to be a keeper. Mm -hmm. you. Um, but I think that was a different sort of movement yeah. at that time. I, I'm kind of... I'm waiting for the new the new thing because, you know, in the 90s it was like, okay, now, hey, there are these things called surface bars and then mm -hmm. it was like, oh, now there's threadless jewelry and now there's this and now there's that and all these different techniques and, and jewelry options and all that stuff. And I, I feel like right now uh, people aren't doing as many innovative things. They're kind of, they're kind of taking what's already out there and they're just shifting around a little bit like it's this thing but a double with gold you know yeah, and it's yeah. not like here's this new crazy thing because maybe some of that the new crazy stuff just like a variation the on the theme. was maybe a bit much but yeah now it's like I, I i think the only real heavy experimentation right now is with maybe needle crushing needle manipulation yeah you know but, needle uh, improvement needle yeah. improvement <laughs> yeah uh but I, I would like to see some sort of like new surge and people kind of rediscovering the techniques that were that were explored more heavily 10 or, or 15 years ago and that are kind of getting lost as, as people kind of get out of the well, industry. It goes into that same thing, man. There's this guy, Eric. Uh, he just moved here from Seattle and I just switched out some stuff. But dude, he has like surface barbells here on his forehead. Or no, not even surface barbells. They're 16 gauge curved barbells that he's had for like 10 years. Yeah. Like 16 gauge 3 eighths curved mm -hmm. barbells. 
Um, you know, and that's where I was like going into even like with the Ford Helix or anything, like sometimes we're like, but there's a right way and there's a wrong way. But then you see stuff like that where you're like, yeah, that's yeah. healed and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day doing like, I had like deep eyebrows and would do those all the time with like 14 gauge straight mm -hmm. barbells where you just like bury them and people would heal them and not have any issues. And, um, yeah, I don't know what that next movement's going to be. I mean, definitely right now, uh, everybody's chasing the gold rush. Yeah. Um, and that's Which, you know, I'm... to be fair, make the money while you can. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, I mean, I think gold is always, uh, you know, has it had its presence, but it's definitely in a different um, sort of way. Yeah. Um, With fashion trends, you know, um, people are getting it because it's, it's cool to get it. You know, like I, I love gold jewelry, but uh, it does make it a lot easier when someone comes in and they've already got their phone out and they're like, oh, I want this. And it's like, I would love to do that on you. That looks awesome. Like I've got gold options right here where yeah. 10 years ago it might be like, hey, take a look at these options. Like it's gold and it's, oh, I don't really like gold. I like titaniums. So. Yeah. And branding has changed so much. Yeah. You know, I mean, there were those times when it was like secretive. Um, I think of studios that I worked at where, you know, we would refer to certain companies like it'd be like, you know, Anatomy you refer to as Barry or BBLA you refer to as Nick and mm -hmm. it was all kind of secretive. Um, and now it's, it, I mean, it's, it definitely changed the whole ball game, yeah. um, even with social media and stuff. So, yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's a negative thing. I mean, definitely it's growing and we're all uh, doing better than ever before. It's opened up a lot of doors. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I never, I never would have thought that I would be able to have a shop where I have multiple employees, a, a, full-time counterperson like that that was so unthinkable for me 10 years ago yeah and now I, I can do that and I can give those other people the opportunities because of the jewelry and the work that the companies put into to grow their brand and the exposure online and the synergy with like the APPs outreach stuff and yeah all those things um, so as piercing changes I think you're always gonna have that you know no pun intended like golden age syndrome where you're like remember when it was so much better yeah it's like, you know but right now uh the the piercers that are just coming up they're gonna look back at this time and be like oh remember when it was the the gold explosion and the, yeah. this and that and so I, i'm trying not to take it for granted what i have right in front of me but I, I i do still miss some of the stuff that's kind of gone away in the industry i think it'll definitely come back around i mean even like you know where we're all doing more eyebrows and stuff like that like, sure you know it's gonna pop back i think like even the surface piercing i think mm -hmm. it'll all come back around full circle i miss the kind um, of like crazy experimentation with surface piercings for those rare situations where you're like oh my god i can't believe you healed that you know yeah seeing stuff like that like a horizontal bridge like in the middle of the forehead or yeah something, or like madison piercings yeah stuff like that 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 piercers would never even take the chance on now because they're so afraid of being like called out on online or something yeah i mean i think that's that thing is just uh exploring all the possibilities like mm -hmm. even if it's something where you get something that somebody thinks is silly or yeah. you you do it on a friend and right you're like hey let's see if it works yeah that's a big thing that i miss too is just piercers getting together and doing dumb shit to each other yeah you know like hey just pop your pants off let's let's do something or yeah. hey like hey just grab this and just shove it in my ear or something like i, I definitely miss that part of piercing too yeah and it's fun that bonding too yeah and just being like what are we doing yeah let's something get into it reckless so yeah. you were talking about um, some of the work that went into like selecting your brand. So what was it? What was it like going from a piercer who has 
worked in some of the, the biggest and best and busiest shops and you know what's out there and then you start to think like, well, how do I curate an experience for my new shop on, on a budget? And like, how, how did you make the decision to pick out what you picked out? I think I, I just wanted to carry the best. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I mean, everybody has a different opinion of that. Um, and then having, you know, every place that you go, it's going to be a different demographic, uh, which we talked about a little bit, like knowing what to have and what the people are going to want. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is that thing, you know, even in the last couple of years where the wait times were crazy and people didn't want to wait for it. It's that day and age where like where a lot of studios are actually like backing that down. Like they're like, we want to carry less jewelry. And I'm, I'm always like, as a jewelry store, do you ever want to carry less jewelry? Yeah. You know, that's kind of the way that I view it. Um, so knowing what to have. And uh, so, yeah, I just I chose mostly on on people that I respected and and companies that I, I respected and. Um, yeah. It just looks very well thought out because I, I think some shops, they go into it, they, they make a small investment and then they expand a little and they expand a little and they expand a little. And then after a while, it kind of looks like a, like a mishmash collection. Like yours looks very well thought out. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I don't think it was that, that well thought out. It, it was just like trying to put it together. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and same thing, you have to spend money to make money. Sure. So it was uh, getting enough to where it looked full. Um, I'm not competing with like, you know, the big box stores yeah. uh, of piercing or the, the bigger companies. I was just like to have a good selection and, and then also be small enough to where it's like, hey, even if you want something that I don't have, I can get it in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I think uh, just through years of from years of doing it, knowing what I like. Yep. And that was kind of the thing of like, you know, what we were talking about with the gems, um, which that was um, some good, good insight, even from Leo, like when we were talking about that with, uh, with Mint uh, and everything. Yeah, you don't have to carry every, you know, some people have displays with every size and every, you know, setting and every color and every stone and uh, yeah. And you don't have to have that much. I went down um, that hole for a while and I, I definitely, and then it's so much to maintain. Money. You know? it, it is. It's a, it's a lot to maintain. And also, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming to clients. Because yeah. they just get that blank look on their face. Where they're, it's like going to a restaurant. And when, they, when you get a menu, it's like three pages. It's yeah. not 30 pages. Yeah. If a menu was 30 pages, you would just sit there and freeze and be like, I can't make a decision. Yeah. Uh, and when it's that thing of uh, the jack of all trades, master of none. You know, like when it goes that, like, oh, you're doing this cuisine and that, but you're... Um, so yeah, with that, I just, I, I tried to, uh, choose what I would want to wear and, uh, even the colors and stuff. And, and like I said, I mean, yeah, it was uh, kind of a budget. I didn't have a lot of money, uh, which we talked about, mm -hmm. um, and how I really couldn't have done it without, without the help of friends and yeah. the community. Yeah. I mean, really so much, uh, so many conversations like clay, uh, was super, uh, super helpful and Kellen and Leo and, and Cassie from So Gold. I mean, there's so many people where I just had conversations about what I was doing. Like I said, Brianna helped out so much from Mint and stuff as well. Um, and that kind of opened that community as well. Like sometimes like when you're in a busy studio and you're caught up in that day-to-day -day like routine um, to where you're kind of cut off from that community. And so when you have a moment or an excuse to where you have something to reach out mm -hmm. and to pick people's brains. 
Uh, it was great. And it was actually like kind of one of the funnest things of putting it together was like uh, really using all those resources and, uh, and getting insight from friends mm -hmm. and other professionals, you know? I, I'm kind of envious in a way. Like I would absolutely not want to have to open another studio at this point in my career, but mm -hmm. I'm envious because it, I remember the, the best parts of those moments and I, yeah. I kind of miss it a little bit, you know? getting to look at it from a fresh slate and be like, what do I really want to do and what do I want to create? Yeah, and, and like I said, I mean, that's so much of it was like, yeah, like how it should reflect how you feel about body piercing. And, and so these, like, you know, even the paintings, I mean, that's something I've always hung, like they were gifts from friends and they've always hung like where I work. Um, it's super important, like I have, you know, the uh, dance is sacred and profane poster back there with mm -hmm. with Jim and Fakir because that's also our history you know Ron Athey there's like three pictures of Ron in here Elaine um, and it's that same thing like I think now you know a lot even like this location in this space like it's kind of artist spaces and and Clay and I had that discussion uh, when he came out and visited after about how you know like piercing and tattooing for a long time it was on the edge of what was safe it's yeah. kind of in this zone over here where it's a little dangerous um, but you'd have like even like housewives come and they were like taking a walk on the wild side mm -hmm. and they were kind of excited about that as well and I think now that you have so many people trying to cater to everybody like white bread America or, or middle America you know they're like trying to make people feel safe and so like that's the thing how I approach and how I feel about body piercing let's get down to the meat of it um, it's about asserting yourself as an individual and it's the acceptance of like who you are and how you feel and embracing that and so I think like if you try to do something to cater to somebody that's in a different realm I mean that's cool but what if you just did it the way that you fucking want to do it mm. unapologetically and then it's going to be embraced because it's real. Yeah. Um, not trying to to, you know, fuzz it up to make it safer or more approachable. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't think you know. I'm not saying like paint the walls black and have sure. blood drips or you know, and, yeah. and death metal all the time or oh, anything that would like be that. Badass. But uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's that thing of like having a comfortable space and have it more about the art of it, like. Um, yeah, like a reflection of how you feel on the inside mm -hmm. and that outward uh, uh, appearance of it. So I, I think that that's kind of uh, what I tried to do with this is, is just try to where it's not, you know, it's an area where it's kind of an homage to like what piercing and where piercing and tattoo shops used to be right on the edge of what's safe and still outside the norm. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that are opening malls and, and that are having great success, but you know, it's that same thing, like some of these sort of things where people are dressing up and wearing a tie. That's not me. Yeah. Uh, you know, what uh, drew me to piercing at, at a young age was the fact that I could be who I wanted to be um, and explore that. And, and so much growth. I mean, uh, I made a post like when I first opened, you know, it's crazy that I've been piercing more years of my life than not. And really how much it, uh, it changed and formed me into the adult that I am now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm super grateful for that community and everything. So I think like with everything, it's, uh, you know, it's a reflection of how people have always decorated their bodies and have explored that of like what that redefinition of beauty. 
um, having like Jim and Fakir on the on the wall in Elaine. Um, you know, it's that same thing that like, people go back all the time and see the photo and they're like, oh my God, what is this? I'm like, well, it's called Bearing the Kavadi. And I talk to them and it opens that dialogue, like understanding comes through education. So if you take that time to explain it, then they're, they're more aware and people love that. Like, I'm like, these are the fathers of modern body piercing. Mm -hmm. Like this is Jim Ward. He opened the first piercing studio in 76. Uh, you know, the gauntlet, like he designed tools and jewelry that we're still using to this day and age and talk about Fakir and uh, his exploration of the body and, uh, you know, and the body being the door to spirit. Um, and I think that's like, it's important to me mm -hmm to have it displayed and to have that dialogue with people because that sparks the curiosity. I remember like, even like that first issue of In the Flesh, you know, seeing it on, uh, like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, I had pictures of John Cobb on my wall and like Phila Brown, uh, when I met Phila Brown, I was like, I used to have pictures of you hanging on my wall. And he was like, cool. Um, but how that sparks that curiosity, it's the same thing what we were talking about, like cultural appropriation or that inspiration where, where we all used to look at National Geographic's and be inspired by that and see it, and it sparks that curiosity. And, and that's the same thing that Fakir was exploring, like, what is this? Yeah. What does this feel like? What is it? Uh, man, I had a, a, a discussion, uh, even talking about like this exploring uh, the other side of piercing, like not just the precision, but the experience and, and, and ritual and that sort of thing. And, I'd had a discussion with one of uh, my ex-co-workers, a friend of mine, Jordan, um, at uh, my past uh, place of employment, and we had talked about that and like how sometimes like you're going into a ritual because you're not very like into that, right? I'm I'm it's much more robotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and it's that thing like a lot of times like you'll see something or you're, you're trying to like do a ritual and the first couple times you do it, you know, it's like you're kind of going through the motions. Like you maybe saw a video somewhere or like you just kind of like, you're doing what you think you're supposed to do or how mm -hmm. it is, but you're not like just kind of releasing and embracing it and letting yourself go. Sure. And like just letting it wash over you. And uh, we had this long discussion one night. We'd always have like these long talks after work, which were amazing. And, uh, he talked about, uh, about like um, aesthetics and and uh, how sometimes like you know it's like yeah go go to the river, get your feet wet, go ankle deep, go calf deep, go into your knees, go waist deep, go often, take others, mm -hmm. and and that's the thing like it's for everyone and uh, and so exploring those possibilities like sometimes you don't know like what it is that you're doing. But you feel it and you feel that energy and, and just kind of like creating your own ritual and with that person and being open to the possibilities of what that is. Yeah. And it's not sometimes it's, you know, a hokey dance or I'm making uh, this. I'm not speaking in tongues like, you know, uh, Ron Athey or something like that. But you're just being present and being open to those possibilities uh, with that person. Um, and yeah, so I think like it's so important to have that to spark those curiosities and that inspires the next generation. You know, I think about like, I mean, Blake, uh, you know, in the and uh, his book. And I remember like when I was at Infinite, he sent us like a free case and it said, give these to your future nomads. You know, it was like uh, the letter was addressed to a bunch of people it was like DDA and, uh, you know, Gigi at Colo and 
you know, Jim and Meg and John and me, and uh, there were a bunch of people on that list. Mm -hmm. And there would be those clients who'd be like, here, you know, he sent us a free case and just said, here, give this to people. Yeah. Um, and how that is where, you know, I remember seeing in the flesh with Blake and Maria on the front, you flip through and there was that John Cobb interview and um, those pictures of the guys from Nomad and Venus Modern Body Art at that time and how that insp inspires that. Um, modern primitives. I mean, we all like, you know, have a little bit of that in us. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that, uh, which is one of the great things I think of like even what Sean Porter's doing with the sacred debris and the better safe than Ari and all the interviews Ari's doing. Um, it's so important to keep that history open. Um, you know, like how I was saying, like some things get lost in translation and, and, uh, and people forget about like, you're looking in this deep history, but uh, maybe people don't know that, you know, like, like Corey Lolly was a piercer, mm -hmm. or she put on this event, uh, or you know anything like that. So um, having that present and surrounded by that, to where it's like maybe somebody just like, oh, well, what is that? And then you have an opportunity to to share. Yeah. Uh, and and that's kind of what the space is um, with experience. Like I guess tying it back in is um, sharing something that moved me and still moves me on that level with people now. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just that trinket. It's not just the gem that they're walking out with. Yeah, um, it's what it took to get it. Yeah, yeah. And, and being open to that possibility and, uh, and to, share, to share that. So I think that's kind of, God, I feel like I went all over there. I get it, I'm excited no, no, that was And I, I get like though. super like, ah. Um, I get emotional and, and get super worked up, but, uh, and really that's kind of what wholehearted is to me. Um, and that's even like what the keep piercing sacred, uh, thing was, you know, just that reminder of, it's not always how you look. It's always that you feel like who you are. Um, and the, the one line on there is from the Bhagavad Gita, the whatever is yours today was somebody else's yesterday and will be somebody else's tomorrow. Mm. Keep piercing sacred. Because you don't want it to get, I mean, things evolve and it's not like I'm uh, nostalgic and just like caught in the past of like, well, in my day, it was so great. Uh, I think that it's great every day. Mm. Uh, and I still have like moments with people like constantly where I come away from it or you know, like especially having the luxury here where you have a conversation and okay, I don't have an appointment after and you just explore that. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with piercing where it's changed. Like I think even when I started in the 90s, you know, it was different. It was the gay S&M community, artists, musicians, punk rockers, uh, people outside of that, that norm, whatever that is, quote unquote. Um, but it was more like-minded individuals. So you knew like everybody that came in, you were going to have something in common where mm -hmm. you would like have this moment and you'd be like, dude, we should hang out. Yeah, we should hang out. Let's do this. Um, to where it has grown. Um, it's grown more from that community, more into a bigger industry um, and holding on to that magic that was still there and to those possibilities. I keep saying those possibilities, but it's, an endless, an infinite amount of possibilities of like how great that moment can be or how great piercing can be to everybody. Um, and really uh, embracing that and being receptive. Man, uh, Clay had said something about how 
when we talked about like what keep piercing sacred means and uh, he was talking about how not everybody is receptive um, I wish I could remember verbatim uh, he was like yeah not everybody is receptive but then again like every radio doesn't tune in every channel mm-hmm. you know like sometimes it's in between it's uh, little as Joseph Conrad would say, like little particles of truth floating in a sea of insignificance. And sometimes you just reach up and, and pull that out and being open, you know, because that's that thing. Like, I mean, there have been times where uh, I had an, uh, an older woman come in uh, when I was at my uh, previous employer. And man, she got like a helix piercing and just picked out a gem, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm just doing a helix. And we chatted up a little bit. And then I pierce her and she just breaks down. And I immediately like just embraced her and like held her and she just started crying. And uh, she just had this moment and, uh, and come to find out like, I, I can't remember, I think her son had either like taken his own life or had had an illness and, and died um, young. And, and that was like his birthstone. Mm. And there was all this significance, but you can be caught up in this retail thing and be like, ah, it's just a helix piercing, whatever. Sure. Um, and it's so interesting how often like people are vulnerable, like, you know, where you can talk to people about whatever in this moment of vulnerability and how sometimes it's so much easier to talk to strangers. Mm. Like they might be going through something, you know, how often do you pierce someone who's like newly divorced or something where they've, you know, compromised who they were or whatever. And they're like, yeah, but I want this. Absolutely. Or I took this stuff out because I became a mother and I thought like, oh, that part of my life's over, but this is still who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's just like reasserting themselves as an individual then. So sometimes something that seems like mundane or just like, oh, what's the thing? You want the thing. Okay. But it's not that thing. And how sometimes like people really need to feel something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's that thing, that dialogue all the time where people come in and they're like, no, I really hate needles. And I'm like, why? Like, that's something that's projected on you. I, I, you have that conversation about how like religion or anything, like you're born with that chip on your shoulder, like whatever your parents think and believe, then you're born with that. So not that it's a chip on your shoulder. Maybe that's not the right way to, to put it, but you're carrying that weight mm-hmm. um, and you're going to walk that path until maybe you start to uh, explore possibilities, educate yourself and form your own opinion. And that's growth. Um, but that same thing, you know, I always tell people we're set up from a young age to fear needles from being inoculated and everything else. So you automatically associate it with bad touch. Right. Um, but that's something that you have to do, not something you want to do. This doesn't have to be a negative experience, you know, like, it's okay to feel and really let's talk about it. You have control issues, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it's just allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the presence of watchful eyes. You know, you're in with a stranger. Um, You know, I think that's that same thing. We talk about health and safety and APP and this and that, but it's that same thing. Like people come in all the time and I'll be like, Oh, who did that? And they'll be like, I did. And you know, they kind of make that face where they think I'm going to scald them or like my friend did. And I'm like, awesome. And they're like, really? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man. Like I think with piercing, it was that thing where, you know, originally like it was lovers piercing one another Mm -hmm. or elders piercing their young and now it's piercing themselves. Yeah. And now it's that capitalized thing where you're paying some stranger and Mm -hmm. it's kind of an intimate thing. Um, and I'm always like, yeah, it didn't kill you. Like, it's amazing. You know, like, uh, you might go into a busy studio and go in and out and then like not remember who pierced you or what room you were in when you had it done, 
but you're always going to remember that exchange with your friend in the bathroom mm. or the bedroom. Um, and so there's something to be said about that as, as that experience yeah. as well, you know. That's one of those, you know, not to, not to make it like a nostalgia thing, but there were so many things that made me fall in love with body piercing when I was younger yeah. that don't seem to exist as openly now. You know, like I did all that reckless stuff, piercing myself and my friends. Dude, and kids then are still doing it. That's how I turned into being a body piercer. Yeah. And I, I try to think like, what I offer within my own doors, I'm going to control that and that's going to be to those standards. Yeah, well, you have to, too. I mean, when you're doing it in a commercial setting, the sure, amount of people you're sure. seeing and everything else. But you yeah. still have to respect the fact that there's, there's still going to be that human urge, that instinct somewhere out there to claim ownership over yourself. Yeah. And how can you really, you know, if, if people are doing dangerous things to other people, that's when you might want to be like, hey, let me just talk to you a little bit. You know? Yeah, like there's a lot. Sure, but it's, if it's those people that come in and it's just like, yeah, I know it was dumb, but I really wanted to do it. And it's just like, you know what? Like you own yourself. Yeah. Do what you want to well, do. Well, you know, I mean, think about that. I mean, you know, like uh, Fakir. I yeah. mean, look at that exploration. And, and uh, you know, I think as well, like John Cobb. I mean, John Cobb was pivotal in the transition in what it is that we do today. Mm -hmm. And if he wouldn't have been so explorative on that scale, yeah. then we wouldn't be. You how, know, yeah, be how, a much, how much thing. stuff would be different about our industry if people weren't taking all those chances? And yeah, when it's that things. same thing at that time, people were like, oh my God, what? You're going to hurt somebody. Somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, it's that different thing, you know? I mean, it was that thing at our time, you know, you were maybe like, you know, taking a safety pin with a, a Bic lighter, I don't know, or soaking in alcohol where like now kids are ordering piece, piercing kits on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so it's different if like maybe somebody's doing that self-exploration or if they're starting to pierce all their friends and mm -hmm. charging and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's definitely a whole different thing with that. But, I want to uh, know what's... It is cool to, uh, to test those thresholds um, and that mental capacity. Yeah. You know, I always think it's so interesting like... Uh, even like suspension or anything like that, there's like those movements where people are like, yeah, but I can do this. And it kind of, uh, in my uh, in observation of it, sometimes it's gotten a little machismo, uh, but like people have like really explored and I mean, it's evolved so much. It's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but there's something about that endurance and, uh, and really a lot of times it's like letting go. And I think it's so interesting how many, uh, you know, even like with bodybuilding or weightlifting, I think it's so interesting how many of these people that were pushing their body in so many ways and modifying it and, and on that scale with like body modification or like piercing and uh, scarification or suspension or whatever, and how now they're into that different. Yeah. And I think like with this sort of stuff, it's sometimes like letting go mm -hmm. to endure it. But that is so much more about pushing forward yeah. and to be okay with suffering mm -hmm. and to keep like pushing to the other side of that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I, I get reminded of uh, these things that I heard Shannon Lerat say at points where he didn't really draw much of a distinction between the different disciplines of body modification, that it was just all the general concept of modifying your body. Yeah. And he would say things like, you know, what's really the difference when you really break it down what's the difference between somebody splitting a tongue or doing bodybuilding or getting breast yeah. implants or getting a geesh piercing or whatever it's they're just trying to wake up who they already are yeah 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 and that same thing of like asserting yourself as an individual like mm -hmm. who you like in that shape that you feel like who you should be yeah. what you should be yeah um, yeah it's interesting 
So yeah, I think body piercing is still very much that to me. Even after all these years, um, it's so exciting to see that spark and that twinkle in people's eyes or like even afterwards where people like overcome that fear and then afterwards like you can see. Mm-hmm. That they're that a different person. They are. Yeah. And, and, and being open to remembering what you know, it's hard because you get desensitized because mm-hmm. you do it day in and day out sure. where it feels like you're going through the motion sometimes, but um, to be present for that person and also for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause you can learn still sure. something from each, each person. So sure. um, I, I'm still very, very much excited about that. What and, I, what I do now, uh, it, it could still be very satisfying, but in a busy day, you know, in a, in a busy day for me is like 20, 25 services you know like that's not like busy to a lot of busy shops yeah um, but in a day like that I, I feel like um, maybe I am missing out on some of the time to generate connections and I remember the the days where it was like a solid day was five or six piercings and you would spend this like 45 minute period with somebody or whatever and you'd hear all their motivations and you talk about all these different things and like you would you would make a lot more of the process and now it's like if you're doing that kind of volume and repetition you can make it so efficient where it's like a bam, 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 and it's done. And it's like, yeah. you, you, you still have to make sure that that person is getting the full experience because how, how is the next generation going to fall in love with piercing if you make it too... Too clinical or too... Sure. Yeah. 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 And that's... Uh, I mean, that is definitely a challenge when you're in those, those high-paced, uh, high-volume studios. I mean, even like where I was just at, I feel like... I had a good balance mm-hmm. and same thing like sometimes like people would be busy and I'm like man I would always say to people when I when they came in like I was the I managed that uh, location and I would be like man you know even if it's busy if you have somebody you really connect and you want to explore that more take one for yourself like it's okay to like just sit back mm-hmm. and like enjoy it and soak up that moment yeah. and uh, and really uh, have that connection and embrace it you know, because sometimes then if not, then it just feels like you're down, mm-hmm. like, okay, moving forward, next, next. Yeah, right. Um, and that's, you know, even talking about doing appointment-based, you're appointment-based where you're at as well. No, I, appointments no? for tattoos, but walk-in for piercing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm doing, you know, the appointment-based thing. Um, and the the times that I've allotted for people is, is definitely a little bit longer, but mm-hmm. I'm like the whole thing, you yeah. know, like greeting people picking out jewelry and everything yeah. um, and it's it's been really uh, really enjoyable uh, to take that time and to have that time that that's kind of my semi long-term goal you know train train more piercers to handle the the day-to-day busyness yeah and then switch myself over to just doing the fun stuff on the people that want to specifically be pierced by me yeah and just making it more more enjoyable for them but also for me too because yeah. after after so many years of carrying the stress of running a business and doing this and doing that, uh, it, it has taken a little bit of the joy out of it. Yeah, and well, you know, and that's that thing, like even kind of what we were talking a little bit earlier at dinner, you know, like where sometimes now like people are illusionists, um, there's like these illusions of grandeur with like social media and stuff like that, um, or you, this shameless self-promotion um, and sometimes just allowing it to be like, okay, somebody has an experience kind of more organic like that where you have that return clientele mm-hmm. um, where people are seeking you out because they want that time with you yeah. and want that experience. And and, uh, and that's kind of what I've been doing here uh, so far. 
but yeah, it's so nice to uh, to take a step back. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's going to get busier, but uh, yeah, it, I'm, it I'm, will. I'm trying to enjoy. A lot of people said that you know, like just remember to like enjoy it. Yeah. Don't stress too much. Enjoy that it's that you have that time, and I really do. Mm -hmm. I mean, same thing like the uh, other places I've worked. I've always uh, tried to. Uh, to take that time and you know and, and really be present you can kind of see though that the service that you offer for you it's it's got this deep connection and that's just going to naturally draw people to you and what you offer because you look at those other shops that started with that same kind of mentality of like low stress high experience I just want it to be what I want you know like gamma is a really good example or mint yeah. you know is a really good example of they started with with that but so many people gravitated towards it where now it's just like cranking it out and well that's the same thing like even supernatural business. i think of that right away i mean um you really should go visit and definitely you yeah. should talk to clay sometime Absolutely. Um, clay has a lot to say um yeah it was that thing of where it's so great and you walk in there and you feel it. It feels like what a piercing studio used to feel like. It's mm. still like reminiscent of the past, but in a futuristic sort of way, uh, or a modern sort of sense uh, would be more appropriate to say. But um, and it's magic. And it got so busy where he had to like start doing appointments. And he was like, "Well, actually, you think that you're going to be, you don't want to lose business or this or that." But he was like, "Actually, we're busier than we've ever been before. Mm. We're just like it's managed." Sure. Um, and so yeah, I think. Uh, it's so great that so many great people are, like, people are still finding those people mm -hmm. and having those experiences, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that same thing, I mean, uh, I've only seen videos of Jeff work, um, but I definitely respect him a lot. Um, man, I think every time I sit in, I, I always take his classes too, because I love the way he teaches, uh, just, uh, his outlook on everything, I think, is yeah. Uh, and it's is always amazing. so logical. Yeah. Where you can't even you can't even argue <laughs> anything, even if your your opinion varies a little bit. You're just like, you explain it in such a clear way where it's like, how could I ever take a different stance? Yeah, and that's what you know. We talked a little bit of that uh, about that earlier as well. Like even that uh, Fakir uh, influence on the APP, like the teachers last year. I mean, I really I uh, really impressed with Ken Coyote mm -hmm. and. Uh, I mean, all, all of them. I mean, uh, uh, Laura taught last year for the first time. Yeah, I think every class that I took with one of those instructors, I was impressed with all of them. Mm. You know, it was good to see different takes, but um, they've honed it in for so many years, you know, and they have so much experience teaching and yeah. so many seminars and stuff. It's really great. Yeah. It's, a, it's a crazy time to be a body piercer. It's just, I love it. It's, it's amazing. It's well, amazing. I think that's the thing where it's grown to where like, yeah, man, like I could open like when I opened a studio like in my 20s, it was such a different, a different animal at that time. You know, it was before so many movements. I think of how many movements and things have risen and tapered off and then something else has risen. So that's the thing. I don't think that it's like a downward spiral, like the days of the real piercing are gone. Sure, yeah. Like. Um, it's just different how it evolves and there are so many now it almost like there's like these niche like studios mm -hmm. like where it is like okay I'm gonna do a boutique or I'm gonna do and there's so many great piercers yeah. dude I think about like all these younger piercers too mm -hmm. and having to do all this advanced like ear shit yeah 
I mean, I remember like being taught and I was taught gauntlet style. So it was like the basic eight and then like growing from there. But now you have to learn that stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of that stuff is so technically so far advanced that it is that evolution where they're just going to, sure. it's just going to keep getting better. Some of the, the new, the new breed, the new generation the new style of shops is yeah. mind blowing. Like there's a shop, I don't know if it's on your radar, but it's called Drift. In yeah, Florida. yeah, 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 yeah. Jake's Hardman place. Yeah, and yeah. Megan, yeah. Like the the work that I see coming out of that place, it's just so clean and crisp and fashion forward. And yeah, I think, man, it's so crazy. Like I don't think that, and that's the thing. Like even we were saying, like ah, I don't think it's just the young uh, young guys. And some of those guys have been piercing. I mean, I don't know how long Jake's been piercing, but I'd say at least ten years. Mm -hmm. I would say eight, ten, or maybe longer. Um, but it's cool, you know, because it is that thing. Like for a long time, like even when you're learning, you're kind of going through the motions and you're like repeating and then how we all develop our style. Mm. Like even, you know, because you'll see something and you'll take this from that person and that from that person and then develop your own little style. And learning is, I mean, everything's so accessible now. Um, it's really cool to see the way that all these techniques are evolving. And I mean, even young guys like Dan Steinbecker, mm -hmm. I mean, um, there's so many people that are so good. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Whereas sometimes like, I mean, that's why I was excited. Like same thing. Like I want to be kind of more community based, like the Pearson community and welcome to where everybody like feels comfortable here. And, um, it can be a place. And that's that same thing. Like, you know, the, I've talked with Jeff a little bit about like needle improvement and uh, this and that, but I was like, yeah, you were looking. I was like, yeah, I want to host. I want to learn. And that's that thing because sometimes you'll have a piercer come in where they've been piercing two or three or four years and I'll watch them do something like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. You just yeah. did that. Like I never would have thought of that or I would have thought it would have gone this way, but seeing the way that you approach it. And that's that thing is being open. Like I think with anything, if you get to a point where you think you know it all, it's time to do something else. You're proving that you don't if yeah. you think that way. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And and so like even being piercing like 20 years or whatever, I mean, even like I changed my technique on Doths a couple of years ago. You know, it was that same thing, the class uh, that uh, Jeff and those guys, and Jeff and Ken taught. And then I was watching a lot of people. John would bend needles for doing Doths. I always did them straight into a tube. Uh, and then I started to do that S bend. I tried a bunch of different techniques and it was that, the rule of 25, like, yep. yeah, give it a shot, really like explore that, exhaust it, and then form an opinion and go from there. Uh, it was the same thing like talking about like earlier, like off to the side navels, like back in the day, like guest piercing, it rings a desire or, or anything, like being open to that, exploring it, and then having a different understanding, coming out of it, and, and then you have where you formed an opinion like, okay, that works for me or that doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see somebody else do it, maybe that same style, but a different approach. And you're like, that actually seems more viable. Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. some of my favorite stuff about piercing is relearning things that I thought were like old hat. Dude, and half the time it's like these kids that I've only been piercing for a couple. I'm blown sure. away. Yeah. Like where they're just thinking well, outside of the box. Or, you, you, yeah. you meet some like wunderkind where they've been piercing for two or three years. And it's like, can you? Can you show me a video of how you do that? Because like it's blowing my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's so interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that piercing is actually like on an upswing. Like I think that we're busier than ever before. So I think it's actually heading in a in a good direction. And and same thing like we were saying, you know, like 
studios are going to be like, okay, I decided to do this. There are the more corporate stuff that is like clinical. There's like the people that focus on this or that. There's the boutiques that are appointment only. There's, there's something for everyone. Mm. And, uh, and that's amazing. Um, and I think for like those younger people that are wanting to explore the, the possibilities of something more sacred, I think that is it as well. Like just finding people that are like-minded and, uh, and shaking it down, yeah. you know, maybe getting naked and piercing each other and bleeding a little bit. Yeah, just having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, smacking each other's asses. I don't know <laughs> uh, what, what works anymore. But yeah, I, I'm really excited about the possibilities. And as I was saying before, you know, I think a lot of the older generation, they're like, wow, these kids aren't interested in this or it's lost and they're in a different, a whole different world. But I think when you talk to the younger folks, when I talk to younger piercers, they're super curious and really interested in something more, uh, that esoteric thing, you mm -hmm. know, where it's not known to all. And, and really sometimes it is just like creating your own ritual and exploring that with people that you're like, that are like-minded in your community. I think that's where we all had back in the day before the internet, yeah. where we feel with the internet now, you know, it is that thing where we feel like we're more in touch, but sometimes we're further from the truth because we're all these other places instead of just here sitting sure. having a conversation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we talked about a lot of things. We did the magic, <laughs> the magic of body piercing. Yeah, yeah. Awoken. No, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it is doesn't sound too hokey, does it? Well, there's nothing wrong with hokey. It's okay. like we're, we're, we're passionate about what we do from, from different perspectives. You know, like I'm not, uh, I'm not a, a, a spiritual person, really, yeah. but I can, I can feel it sometimes. You know, like those are the moments that really hit me and, and draw me back when, when the customer is so affected by it. And like when they look in the mirror and they get that swell of emotion where they're yeah. not just like, oh, yeah, I like it. Let me take a picture where they're just like, I love it. And so it's like, like, oh, let's have this dialogue. So, okay. So you started piercing, uh, around 96, but I'd say professionally 99. Okay. And then you owned a, you were a studio owner at what time? 2000. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. have you done guest spots a lot and worked in other outside of your safe space with a people? Little, a yeah. little. And um, it really formed my experience because the, the places that I worked in, I, I was gravitating towards the people that I felt very like-minded with. Um, and my my main guest spot exposure was Pinpoint in Oslo yeah. with Christiana yeah. and yeah. Sala. And like they were right up my alley for style of body piercing, and it's like they they were connected to it, and they they felt a passion to it, but they were a little bit more technical with it, you know. And yeah. Not not to say like as, as any sort of a negative, but you know they, they didn't approach it from a spirituality sense, but they connected to it with a, in, in a sense of passion. Yeah. And um, seeing that woke it up for me a lot, where it was like I have to really step my game up, but not like lose what it is that piercing means to me and yeah stuff like that well i think you know that's that thing where you know you said you stepped down a little bit but you're teaching all these seminars so a lot of that is like where you've kind of like built that mm -hmm. you know like i would go and work you know i mean that's the thing people can have an opinion on everybody like you know some people love elaine and hold her in high regard and other people like ah oh, elaine or whatever she was amazing to me like opened her her studio, like I would go, I learned so much and grew as a piercer. Like even her whole crew at that time, Brian Savillo, 
Pat Roig, like Beast was there, who was at Gauntlet as well. Um, there and Jen, um, who ended up coming and working with me and Clay at Infinite and stuff as well. And there, uh, there's so much like sometimes like when you get out of your comfort zone, like you know, like even I went and worked at uh, Ahimsa. Like I went out uh, and covered for Adam and worked with Alex. And what a beautiful stu studio! But it's like all you know. BVLA and it's like disposable and I was like oh my god yeah am I gonna be comfortable am I gonna be like how I don't know I'm gonna take this just in case I'm gonna take that um, I bought like some of those like crocodile like the disposable forceps I'm like just mm -hmm. in case if I need something to brace like because you want to be a boy scout and be prepared sure because sure. um, you still like it's good to get out of your comfort zone but still like feel like you're maintaining not as a crutch Sure, but yeah, like yeah. I have it there just in case. Yeah. You know how like sometimes you'll like you'll go to try something new, like a new technique, but you'll still like set up the tray, maybe like how you normally do With it, your just, just in case. case stuff. Like if you yeah. feel and then you're not feeling it, oh, you yeah. just like you go back to it. But uh man, maybe that's what you should do. Maybe that's your next step. You should just do a tour and do guest spots. You know, I at different about studios it. outside. I have this because you're teaching. Thing where I'm not Aren't sure we if all self-cut? Aren't we yeah. all self-conscious? Dude, it's so crazy to like yeah. get out and like even where you like, you go and somebody's watching you and you're in their environment, you're not totally comfortable and then you get charged and you get the little jazz, yeah. you know, jazz hands. It's so great, man. Well, you can um, see how much people grow from the experience because yeah. piercers like Brooke, piercers like Baron, you know, like when yeah. they've done these extensive, Johnny Velez, when they've done this extensive guest spot tour. Yeah. Uh, and it's like they've gotten the best from all these different places and there's such a stronger piercer for it. Well, think about that. Like even like, okay, so you're educating, you're educating internationally. Like, what do you think? Like if you did that, like, and you went, it's an open call to any studios. <laughs> um, uh, but no, yeah, it would be amazing to just do, like even if you did a weekend here or there and even sat in and did a couple things and it's such an interesting thing to go outside your comfort zone and yeah. like you know like and that's the thing you'll be kind of anxious and you're like oh yeah I'm doing the thing I do this thing I got it but uh it's so good to shake it up and really like I think a lot of those through the years of guest spots and stuff and just getting outside of my comfort zone like pushed me in so many different ways mm. you know I mean even like you know going and guest piercing at Koi Patrick's a great piercer and Frank up there is uh, amazing, like working with him and Aubrey and uh, DJ. And it's, it's that same thing where it's a busy studio, but things, it's kind of what you're doing, like that same style, but like a variation on the theme. And like, mm. yeah, I don't care. I'll do all the nostrils and earlobes and doths. I don't care. And helixes, like whatever, you know, because you're still like outside your comfort zone, but having a new approach. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so much fun. I, I have like a little kind of bucket list of shops that I would like to, to pierce at. Yeah, what are the shops? Do well, you have a list? It not, I don't wanna I don't wanna make anyone feel like I'm I'm like leaving people out because okay, okay, I've okay. got I've got lots of friends but You're like don't put me on the spot. Well here. I mean I would love to try twenty uh, third street and know if I can actually hack it, you know? I would Dude. love to try Gamma and know if I can really just go fully disposable and and, and still feel like I'm, I'm bringing my A game. I know? wanted to go out and shadow him before I did this. Uh, Adam went from Ahimsa. Adam Block went out and worked with Jeff, I think, before he opened Ahimsa because he did all disposable. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be really amazing to spend a couple days of actually watching him and Laura and actually in that space. Yeah. And I was like kind of wanting to do it, but then this kind of just like, you mm -hmm. know, how it is. It's yeah. a whirlwind. I think but, it's one of those things where you... you 
it's the pitfalls of like running a business. I'm already juggling six jobs at once kind of thing when it comes yeah. to that. And it's like stepping back from any of those to go and do the, the guest spot thing. I know that I would probably feel very uh, nurtured by it, but it's a, it's a hard thing mentally to step back from any of the other obligations that I've created for myself. When so much out of like the comfort zone too, I think about that, like going and visiting some of these people, like I think like Cassie Lopez, like it's so gold, like mm. she was at New York adorned for a long time. Man, I mean, even the work that she does, it's so, like, there's so many great piercers to even, like, spend a day of just, like, even if you're just shadowing yeah. and, like, observing, you know? Um, same thing like Jay Colby, uh, like, meeting him and, and that space. And everybody's, like, kind of creating their own little thing. So it's cool to, like, stick your toes in and test the water and see that different approach. Mm -hmm. And it may not always be, like, okay, yeah, I see what they're doing. I like that. You know, you can kind of like pick those little things that you can maybe implement or try or maybe know that it's not for you, but just even uh, experience in it. Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting as an educator, like to be able to like pass that on. Yeah. But guest piercing, man, it's like, yeah. I mean, I remember like going and like doing tandem nipples with Elaine and stuff like that where I'm like, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, is this a race? I don't feel, it shouldn't be, it's not a race. Oh shit, you're fast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, dude, same thing, like, Nate and uh, all those guys at St. Sabrina's, Courtney, and... Oh, I would love, all. I would love to work at St. Sabrina. I, what I would really you know love to do... You know, they're hiring, so you oh could go Lord. and do a guest spot. Uh, you know, I, I have thought, as part of my, like, five-year plan, I would love to be able to hand the shop off to, to Evan, my other piercer, give him yeah. his real shot to make his own career the way he sees fit, and then I just fuck off and help out yeah, other people's yeah. shops and just like not have to worry about it. And it's like, I can just pierce. Yeah, it's yeah. so interesting too, like how it's a different approach than your day in and day out when you go and you're like just having a good time. Even if it's busy, it can be a little stressful, but it's not like you're at home. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I always, I, I always feel like I come away uh, learning so much, mm. even about myself. Yeah. Yeah, it, I haven't done it often, but the times that I have done it, it's been a, a really good experience. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, that is a, a long interview. Did we talk a long time? An hour and 20 minutes. We could not talk or talk for hours and still find things to not talk about. That was great, though. Those are the best conversations where it feels like you've only been talking for a few minutes, and it's like you're unleashing your soul. Yeah. Sometimes I, like, lose it. Like, I'll, like, get excited, and then I'm like, uh, did I go off topic? So hopefully it's... No, no, something no, that's it. usable. Um, well, uh, to, to wrap it up for the show, uh, give, give your shop info. Um, where are you at? Where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, Wholehearted uh, Body Piercing. Uh, it's wholeheartedpiercing.com uh, and at Wholehearted Piercing on Instagram. And we have a Facebook too, Wholehearted. Um, yeah, that's where I can be found there. And I'm in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Well, uh, I appreciate the invite a lot. Um, I'm so stoked that you're here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. excited to do it. Because, yeah, it was that thing, too. We don't know each other that well. Yeah. So it's so good to, like, shake it up, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, it should yeah. be a really and good we're going to meet more. a bunch of people tomorrow, too. It's yeah, we're going to talk about piercing people. It'll be fun. And then we're going to pierce people. Yeah. It'll happen. Maybe. I, I, yeah, I, like, I, I have pierced in some classes, but 
the minority of the classes that I've taught. And I'm really mm -hmm. excited to start doing a class where there's live piercing and be able yeah. to, rather than just talk about the, talk about it in an abstract way, just be like, this is exactly how I do it. Boop, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you learn so much. I mean, same thing when we were talking about surface piercing and me sitting in with Luis uh, Garcia, like, uh, I mean, there's so many people you can learn so much from, mm. and but it's different when you're there. Same thing what we are talking about before, like being in the room is completely different totally. than watching it on video. So. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so it should be fun. Yeah. Should be a good day. Cool, well, awesome. uh, let's end this, and then I'll go sleep so I'll be awake for tomorrow. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, thanks for talking to me, though. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, on my recent trips, I got a couple more uh, interviews in. I think I have probably three or four that are recorded, and I just need to edit them and, and get those out. So should be pretty good. A nice, diverse assortment of different piercers talking about different subjects. But again, if you have any specific ideas, go ahead and reach out to me. Again, ryanpba at gmail.com, or you can message me through the Piercing Wizard Podcast Facebook page. And uh, don't forget, we've got the Piercing Wizard Podcast Instagram page, too. So go ahead and add all those accounts, follow wherever you want on social media. But I'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, if you're interested in any of those classes, uh, you know where to get the info. But don't forget, I've got February 24th in Concord, California coming up. Then other classes in Dusseldorf, Chicago, Boston, and Manchester, England. And uh, I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.